You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today, I've got a returning guest. I've got Arkansas Game and Fish Waterfowl Program Coordinator Luke Naylor joining me to show. Luke, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. We're bringing Luke back on the show because they just wrapped up an aerial survey there in the state of Arkansas, and we kind of just want to jump into the survey. But but Luke, before we kick this off, um, I, I really want you to kind of introduce how you guys do your aerial surveys in Arkansas. We've done this before, so any of our uh, listeners who heard it last time, you know, tune out for about you know a minute or two here. But there's a lot of people who always have questions about the surveys, how you guys perform them, you know, the aerial aspects of it. Um, it gets a little complicated for some people, but it, but I just want to give you an opportunity to explain to our listeners how you guys do these surveys. You bet. Yeah, I'll do the just the real simple version because there's yeah there's a lot of a fair bit of complicated math involved in generating the actual estimate and you know measures of variance things like that. But when it really gets right down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's a fairly simple concept, I think. So we 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 kind of model these surveys it's a stratified random survey which the one most duck hunters are probably most familiar with even though they may not know those terms is the breeding population and habitat survey done each year well except this year uh, or last calendar year i suppose since 1955 mm-hmm. so we essentially uh, adopt similar methods here we have we've have stratified the state and and starting in 2011 we stratified the arkansas delta by by watersheds and and you establish east to west transects within those 11 strata or survey zones. And we do them east and west because most of the habitat 
uh, corridors within Arkansas run north to south. So we actually like to intersect those, run perpendicular to the, to the most common habitat distribution. And, and yeah, we simply, each, each survey we randomly select from this total population of all transects across the Delta that are spaced out at 500 meter intervals. And observers go up there, um, fly uh, these strips, and it's back to, I don't know, maybe it's junior high or middle school geometry where you think about the, the Pythagorean theorem and you think about, you know, where you look on the through the airplane and how you, you put, you know, black tape on the strut of the airplane and, and you do all the math and that, that equates to a 250 meter wide strip on the ground that you're actually surveying. So the observers only only record observations of waterfowl that fall within that zone. So they're not counting all ducks that the plane flies over. They're, they're doing it within that zone. And that allows us then to formally upscale this uh, to generate estimates, duck density estimates and overall population estimates by survey zone and then by the entire delta as a whole. And, and of course, in 2013, we extended that to the Arkansas River Valley of West Arkansas using a similar design. So there's a, some advantages of that. I'll just hit on real quick before wrapping mm-hmm. up is that, you know, we, lots of folks, um, lots of folks create duck estimates, right? Duck counts. We hear about them all the time. Yeah. Well, I got 200,000 ducks over here on, on this, this property, right? Or I got 50,000 mm-hmm. here. Uh, you know, I equate that to an old colleague of mine that you may have had on the podcast, Ray Alasaskas, who does much of white mm-hmm. stuff at in Saskatchewan. He's like, I think at a meeting one time we were talking like, well, and if, you know, if you looked at a flock of blackbirds leaving a roost at night, most people would laugh at you if you tried to estimate how many were in that flock. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how most people involved with ducks think that it's just no problem at all to estimate a massive flock of ducks leaving uh, a roosting site, for example. Well, the reality is, is doing both is extremely difficult. Yeah. And, and, and so this takes a lot of that out of the equation because we're generally counting groups of 5, 10, 20, 25 ducks, maybe up to 100. Um, by and large, it's fairly small counts and, and the human brain can deal with those smaller flock sizes a lot better than we can uh, presumed flock sizes in the tens of thousands. And this this method allows us to take that that form of error, um, not totally to remove it, but but a fair bit of the flock size estimation error out of the equation. And I think it gives us more precise uh, and more realistic estimates across across the state. Yeah, and I think one thing that I explain to people um, is that it's not it's not an exact science, you know. And people are like, "Oh, the numbers are up, the numbers are down." It's like, well, what this number does is it gives you an, an estimate of something to compare to last year, and that long term data set that that you end up getting is is what really you know can, you can you can hold up and show people. Am I correct in saying that? Because by by no means I'm you know <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of winging it here. No, it's absolutely and and occasionally as I've written these reports over the, I guess, decade now that we've been doing them this way. Uh, occasionally I'll report on, you know, these measures of variance, like, okay, how, how confident are we in that one point estimate? Everybody gets hung up on that, right? I go, mm-hmm. okay, what's the number? Give me the number. And well, the reality is, is that, that again, with, with ground counts, for example, uh, there, there is no estimate of variance. It's like, okay, 
there's 52,273 ducks out there. Uh, well, really? Are there? Um, <laughs> you didn't count every one of them, I guarantee you. So, uh, you know, how can you, it, it kind of, uh, it can at least kind of, uh, portray a confidence or precision or, or accuracy that doesn't really exist in, in some cases. And, and so this allows us to actually estimate that formally using, uh, statistical methods. And I'm not going to dive into that. Uh, but, yeah. but these measures of variance, like standard error, it's like, like how far are we off? It's the plus or minus you might see on something, right? So we have a point estimate and that, yep, that's the number. But if you dig down into it, these surveys can vary in how precise they are for lots of reasons. But, it, but when it comes, really comes down to it, you know, the, what the statistics tell us is that the real number, whatever it is, the real number is actually somewhere between that plus and minus, right? And, and we're fairly confident that this point estimate we're providing is our, our best estimate of what's out there at that yeah. given time. So lots of variables, but what we do with this formal sampling strategy is really try to remove all the variables we can and, and it allows us as managers and, and scientists to have confidence that we're putting something out there that has, um, has a lot of rigor to it. Uh, and, and so, and there's other, it doesn't have to be just like this. Uh, you know, Mississippi uses a very similar method. The coastal Louisiana survey is very similar. Missouri doesn't use a, use a stratified random sample like this, but they've done some research to show that they're in a hot spot aerial surveys. Their hot spot counts are pretty much in line with a formal sampling strategy, uh, like we employ. So there's different ways to crack this nut. It's just this one for the massive landscape that is Arkansas. Uh, this, this appears to be the best way to go about it. And, and this isn't our idea. I got an old guy named Ken Reinecke, who was a legendary mallard researcher out of Vicksburg, Mississippi for years. He generated all this, th these ideas down here. We've just modified them and, and kept them going here. Very cool. And I think that gives people a really good idea of, of, you know, how the surveys are done, but also the amount of, you know, confidence, give or take a percentage, um, that you have in this. And, and, you know, and I think that's important for people to, to really, when they're digesting this report, it's important for people to keep in, in mind. Um, so, you know, let's roll into this and, and we kind of talk briefly, um, that the last few times I've had you on the podcast, it, it has not been, uh, super positive reports. And I think that, uh, this, this report, once again, you know, falls in line with that. But um, you kind of want to give us just a, a quick overview of, of the, you know, the estimated population of, of wintering birds there in Arkansas. Yeah, so, yeah, not good. <laughs> so <laughs> we've ended up with this mallard count. This, this is the midwinter survey that a lot of these, a lot of listeners will probably be familiar with that terminology. So this is the, the coordinated part of the coordinated midwinter waterfowl survey that's been conducted the first week of January for many, many, many years. It's changed a lot over the years. Different folks have come in and out of participating, but it's been going on for quite some time. And so it, it we, we were able to conduct this field conditions allowed to conduct this whole survey during the first week of uh, last week, first week of January, first full week of January. And again, I mentioned we started these formal surveys with the 2009-2010 uh, wintering period. And so this was, uh, the second lowest mallard count since the, from 2010 to 2021. So the mallard point estimate was, was 458,000. 
And going back to that various estimate, it was plus or minus 92,000 for this survey. So actually fairly precise. Uh, so the real number you might say is somewhere between 350 and 550,000 mallards. Uh, so, and, and just over a million total ducks. That's not all that surprising. Usually it's about 1.1, 1.2 million total ducks. So that number is not too far off. Um, but the mallard count is, is off by, by a fair bit. Um, and, What's happened the past two winters during this midwinter survey and this year especially is that if we look at the, at the total duck estimate and, and calculate the percent of that estimate that's made up of mallards, it's in the midwinter, it, it should be approaching 70%. And I say should be going back to this 10 year record of data we have. And, and during this survey, mallards only made up about 43% of the total ducks estimated in the Delta. Uh, and West Arkansas counts, I just hardly even want to talk about because they're pretty paltry. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, pre- it's pretty bad over there. Um, and so yeah, just, just, you know, continued low counts. Um, but you know, I, as, as you saw, you know, I've, I've kind of sent out a report to, to lots of different folks, um, each after each survey and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a habitat guy by, by training and, and that's kind of what, um, that's my passion in, in this, this field. And, you know, we just don't have the habitat out there. Uh, we, we benefited by a little bit of rain over there over New Year's, but, but if folks down here as duck hunters or, or they're all, um, amateur meteorologists, of course, right? We're constantly tracking all the different weather apps. And, and if you watch that rain system roll in, the whole axis of that rain system shifted. Right, it, based on the forecast a few days prior to when it actually yeah. came in, and so most of the rain in Arkansas fell south of Interstate 40, for example, and and Mississippi benefited some, and South Arkansas and Southwest Arkansas benefited, but the Arkansas River Valley and West Arkansas and a bulk of the Delta, really, yeah, we got some more habitat, some fields, some more fields flooded up where landowners have put water control structures in and, and, and able to hold that water. But, you know, I mentioned earlier that, that the river systems, the habitat corridors in Arkansas are mostly north-south orientation. Mm-hmm. And if you think back to the headwaters of the Black River, the White River, the Cache River, uh, you know, that's, that, that rain system shifted south of that. It didn't, it didn't fall in the headwaters of those, of those watersheds. So, you know, the, the, the Cache River, the White River just really don't have, um, that massive overbank flooding that typically drives ducks here in the winter. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's an important thing. We've stressed that several times on this show and multiple shows. And I think even the last time I had you is that landscape level water is really what drives, you know, the, the, the big numbers of ducks in the, and of course mallards into the state and not having those river systems get out. Um, at any, really any time. I mean, I think the white got close, you know, after that yeah, last I rain, I think, right. I think a bunch of guys were getting excited and it was like, Oh, uh, uh, Oh, you know, it's like, yeah. it was right there, but it just didn't get to that action stage that really puts on that, that massive amount of water on the landscape. Um, and that really impacts. And, and while that's, you know, one thing I wanted to discuss briefly, but the other one is just like Arkansas, Mississippi does its midwinter survey too. And for as uh, as disappointing as Mississippi duck season had been, 
right about the time that they did this sur- their survey, um, their numbers jumped and their Mallard numbers jumped. And so that's something that we kind of talk about in our office is, you know, that one little cold snap. Maybe Mississippi picked up some of these Arkansas birds, which lowered the number, but it also you know, makes duck hunters have to remember that these birds are not, you know, it's not just a north-south game. No, and not they can bounce. Not, not at all, and it's not only north to south. Yeah, uh, that's within, right. Within a wintering period, right? There's a lot of jumping back and forth, east-west, north-south. These birds move a, around a lot in response to changing habitat conditions, and that's what I've tried to emphasize with with several folks who have reached out, and we've had conversations this year that. You know, lots of folks have heard it. Um, you know, this, this concept of, wow, I, man, these dry years, that's what, that's what's best. You know, that's when these ducks are concentrated and we can really wear them out, right? We can really work on them when, when they don't have a lot of options and, you know, habitat's not widely available. And, but I have habitat where I hunt and I can shoot a lot of ducks and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to predict any kind of future here, but, but I, I kind of think that may be behind us a little bit. Um, yeah. Unless it's an extremely well managed property with, uh, which typically these days involves a, a lot of, uh, pressure control, right? Where folks are really, really very, very careful about managing hunting pressure. But, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of folks this year and I said, well, well, what, what need does a does a duck at Arkansas have to break the pattern it established in in late November or early December? If there's no new habitat coming available on the landscape, that that duck has no reason to go change its pattern at all. And typically, changing patterns, we all think we're the greatest duck hunters ever, of course. But it's those changing patterns and those hmm. ducks that are out there looking for new resources. That's that's when we typically. When, when more people, uh, benefit and more people do well, when ducks are, are searching across the landscape, that if there's no change in habitat availability, um, they, they kind of get locked into a pattern and put air quotes around. They, they know, they don't, they don't know like mm-hmm. you and me, but they, on the other hand, they know a lot more than you and me somehow, um, about how to figure out what's available, uh, on the landscape. And so, They've kind of just locked in and, you know, it was back in the, gosh, 80s. Mickey Heitmeyer, you know, did some studies that demonstrated the White River flooding in Arkansas, you know, benefited Mallard populations the, the year after, right? This connection with what happens in these major river systems down here in the winter is mm-hmm. is huge. And and we just we just haven't had that happen. Like you said, I think... I heard some of the same stuff. People start to get wound up, right? And a few certain certain boat ramps that rem- will remain <laughs> nameless. Uh, yeah, get Don't pretty you busy. Those boat ramps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they get they get busy, and and then oh, it's like a big, you know, letting the air out of the balloon slowly, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the river's coming up. Uh, you know, I think the cash popped for a few days early, real early. Yeah, and and then maybe here recently, but it's kind of a flash in the pan and it's gone. So, uh, kind of. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.
Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Right back to status quo now. You know, another thing that you mentioned in your report, which I found interesting, just basing it off of feedback that I get on a nonstop basis from hunters throughout Arkansas and, and the country, is you stress the fact that the Arkansas temperatures, the actual temperatures in Arkansas are pretty, you know, that that's average for winter. I mean, um, it's as cold as it's supposed to be. It's as warm as it's supposed to be. Um, and you know, and you, we get these comments like, you know, I used to stand outside and shoot mallards and it was 60 degrees in my t-shirt and, you know, we had mallards everywhere. Um, but you stress in your report that the temperatures further north were about the same as Arkansas. And that's where we kind of run into some problems with moving ducks down. Um, can you kind of just elaborate on that? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I've, I've, Again, had a couple of conversations with people and like, man, it's just been kind of warm this year. I kind of, which urged me to kind of go into the data and man, you know, last couple of days, it was just in the low twenties at night, you know, and barely getting out of the forties. If it is and like, no, that, this has been kind of a typical Arkansas winter with lows in the upper twenties, low thirties and, and highs in the mid forties to mid fifties, kind of the standard deal. It's why why ducks came here for, for generations, because this, we don't typically have a long lasting freeze. And, but, but yeah, when I started looking up throughout the entire mid-continent mallard range, it's a totally different picture. And, and you see these temperature anomalies, you know, uh, degrees above average that are, that are big, you know, 10, 15, 20 degrees above average um, for certain periods of, of the last couple of months. And, I think you add to that just kind of a general, um, you know, we're doing some work and, and lot with lots of folks, um, including Mike Brazier over in your shop, and uh, uh, kind of looking at all these different changes across the landscape over time. And th- there's no doubt there's a lot more habitat out there than what there was, you know, 30, 40 years ago at kind of the, the lowest level of habitat in, in the country, probably. So you add that to kind of mild conditions throughout the range. And overall, there's a few more places for, for ducks to hang out. And you add to that a lot of hunting pressure that kind of makes those ducks find out these, you know, seek out these areas that have low pressure, but, but they can make a living. I think it's, 
what I'm getting at there, there's never, everybody wants to find the silver bullet, um, whatever cliche you want to use, the smoking gun of, of, Hey, this is the problem, right? Yeah. And I think it's all these things combined, uh, that you have it's high levels of hunting pressure. Um, uh, you know, you have a more habitat available. You have a, a year like this that has generally mild conditions through a lot of the mid-continent mallard range, all those sort and, and limited habitat here, um, to draw ducks to the state. Uh, so I think you layer that all together and it makes for a pretty, um, pretty, uh, disappointing report out of our shop, <laughs> but you know, it's like, it's, it's just a lot of things that, that we kind of just have to sit back and, and, and deal with because there's not a lot of direct ways to, to change any of those things. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great way to explain to people who, you know, are, are thinking about how they used to hunt and the weather is the same and they're, you know, kind of frustrated with it. And I always, my layman's approach to it, non-biologist here, I'm just like, yeah, well, there's a guy in Nebraska that's shooting him in t-shirts this week. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, that's what's yeah. changed. It's a lot warmer <laughs> up there. And if you, and every duck hunter can really um, understand that, that that weather, um, you know, if you don't have sign- significant snow and weather and ice up north, I mean, those birds are going to hold. And um, uh, then you add in the hunting pressure and the, you know, things like that. It's a, it's a long list, which it sounds like, um, you know, the science side, including yourself, along with DU, are really taking a look at. And I think that that's something that's pretty cool. Um, you know, before I let you go here, we there's a slight mention of geese and in the um, report. And those are hard to count, it sounds like, from reading your report. Uh, I know the, the geese are, are everywhere out there. There's a lot of snows and a lot of specks. Are you hearing... Um, any anything about the white fronts and and the the numbers along with the hunting success throughout the state of Arkansas because it seems like man that has really gotten popular, extremely popular. I I actually um, I, maybe I misheard, but I was I was in a little diner in Stuttgart a couple of days ago, and I'm pretty sure what I heard. I'll, I'll use this in a positive term. Some old timers. I'm not using that <laughs> as a as a negative connotation. You know, some old timers sitting around uh, a little diner in Stuttgart talking about the specs they had seen, not mallards. They were talking about speckle belly. I saw that. Wow, this is probably different <laughs> than the yeah. historic for uh, Stuttgart. But um, man, I, yeah, there's just there's just a bunch of them around. Uh, a lot of folks have have shifted efforts to 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 focus on white fronted geese, maybe because of the consistency. Um, and maybe because it's just a whole lot easier to hunt them to some degree, we can wear tennis shoes in dry years, for example. Uh, but you know, I think it's, it's kind of funny. I like, I like to chase those things from time to time too. I'm, I'm not as, not as, uh, crazy about it going all the time, like lots of folks, but, um, you know, it's fascinating how it, how it built up when we, you know, increased the bag limit to three in 2015. And a lot of people got into it. Populations were growing here. And every, lots of folks got into spec hunting. And it's interesting now that, that as we've had multiple production busts on the Arctic for, uh, you know, since about 2017 was the last good production year. And more and more of those geese flying over you each day have that big old black bar belly on them. Um, oh, yeah. all of a sudden speckle bellies are a little harder to hunt <laughs> and people aren't shooting quite as many of them as easily as what they were. Um, yeah you know, young birds make us all look really, really talented. Um, so, so yeah, but people are still after them. Uh, 
like crazy. They're, they're figuring it out. Uh, it's a, it's, I'm not, I'm not willing to be one of those folks that says that's going to replace the mallard in Arkansas. Cause I just don't think that's the case, uh, but it does provide a really nice additional opportunity for folks out here. Afternoon hunts, um, you know, di- you can hunt them in different conditions. You might hunt ducks, for example. Absolutely. Um, and so it's a nice little bonus. Yeah. And one more question before I let you go. And this is because I got an email about it. The W Rice program that Arkansas Game and Fish Commission kind of set forth, I believe last year was the first year. And you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Maybe the first year I was aware of it. But can you kind of explain what that W Rice program is and how that just provided more opportunities for waterfowl hunters out there in the state? Yeah, you bet. We've it, So it's actually started two years ago, but the hunting portion of it did start last year. So oh, okay. The program was, was really designed to kind of meet this, this need we were seeing on the landscape. Um, you know, ducks and rice in Arkansas, well, in all rice growing regions really have had this long, uh, mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. And, but it, but it's, but frankly, it's changing a lot. And this is not just true here. I think it's true in Southwest Louisiana, um, for different reasons. But, but for here, we kind of were observing, uh, all this, this fall tillage happening each year. We know from previous research almost 20 years ago now that the food value in every acre of rice has declined for when ducks arrive has declined for various, for various reasons. Uh, but we know when, when the field is tilled before ducks arrive, it, it takes that food value basically functionally zero for, for waterfowl. So we saw more and more of that on landscape and thought, okay, how can we co- cooperatively work with landowners to incentivize no fall tillage. Okay. So that, that's a big picture. What this overall goal that, that we're working on at Game and Fish and we want to grow. Hopefully you'll hear more about that side of the program growing in the future. What we ended up happening in the, in the short term here was being able to secure some grant funds from the Natural Resources Conservation Service or their voluntary public access program that funds a lot of walking hunting area programs across the country. We were awarded a grant for three years, which allowed us to drastically increase the amount of publicly available um, rice fields leased for public waterfowl hunting. So we went from about 10 fields last year to over 40 fields uh, offered up each weekend this year, almost 4,000 acres. Uh, so the, the short version is we have these fields uh, distributed throughout uh, throughout the state. Uh, most of them are in the Delta, of course, but we sought out some fields in Southwest Arkansas and, and at least one field in, in the Arkansas River Valley. And it, we go through an application process each week and folks can go in and, and apply for a field to hunt. And we do a drawing each uh, Monday morning and send out notifications to folks for them to be able to hunt a field the next weekend. Unique opportunity also because we have, they're basically they are rested, no hunting, no access Monday through Friday. And, but the weekend, the entire weekend is available for the successful applicant. So they can do a Saturday afternoon hunt. If that fits their schedule better, they can hunt at a couple mornings. They can hunt at one, whatever, whatever fits their schedule, which, which is something that it's, as you know, is not really available in Arkansas public lands with morning only hunting, uh, regulations, which are necessary. We're, we're not talking about getting, getting rid of that. But we're providing a different opportunity here. Yeah, no, that's cool. I think that's a great program. AGFC.com slash W Rice. I'll, I'll throw that out there. So just go there. We're getting over 250 applicants a week for these different fields, but, uh, explore that web, that, that webpage 
And always, you know, you'll be able to find contact information and shoot me an email to ask any questions about it you might have. Awesome. I'm, I'm all for expanded opportunities for hunters. And this program is for residents and non-residents, correct? Correct. Yep, awesome. it is. We've, yep, it's out there for whoever wants to apply and, uh, unique opportunity. You know, you and I have, I know have had a fair bit of experiences hunting rice fields, but a lot of folks haven't. And, uh, this provides, uh, you know, before somebody jumps into a rice lease or takes a bigger leap like that, they can kind of think I'd give it a shot. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, Luke, this has been great. And, uh, you know, I just want to remind everyone that they can not only find the W rice program at agfc.com, but they can probably find your report here within a few days. Um, I'm assuming at agfc.com. That is absolutely correct. Yep. That report will be posted here, uh, the next day or two, I assume. Awesome. And, and in the report, it explains that the next, I think your guys' final uh, waterfowl survey for the wintering period uh, will kick off the week of January 18th. So we may be able to bring you back on and, and discuss some changes and and uh, hopefully some positive changes. Uh, but, you know, whatever, we, it's always good to talk to you. And I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, I'd be glad to come back and always enjoy it. Thanks. I'd like to thank my guest, Luke Naylor, the Arkansas Waterfowl Program Coordinator, for joining us today on the DU Podcast. I'd like to thank our producer, Clay Baird, for putting the podcast together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us and supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next, generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. 
take it outside.